your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. This is Alex, joined by Ryan, coming off the back of a fantastic episode by James and Ryan discussing Lucas Dean and the Rafa Benitez situation. Yep, we got into it, Alex. Uh, A lot of talk about Dean and Benitez, all the drama, all the interesting intrigue. Um, And also, we, we, what I think, did a pretty good job of a bit of a Mythbusters episode where we talked about Luca Dean's form. Is he really out of form? Is he not? Um, But today, a totally different topic that's related, but we're kind of taking us now into the current, and it looks like we may be replacing or at least buying a left back that looks like it's almost a done deal, which is pretty interesting, I think. It is. And before we go into it, into the crux of the episode, we would also like to kindly ask that you leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just added the features. That would be fantastic. Um, As well as if you'd like to follow us on social media, maybe give us some feedback about the show, give us some discussion points, if you will. You can find all of those links at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. So that's linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. So please come interact with us. Uh, over there and as well you can join our discord channel at invite.gg slash atp we have a lot of good discussion going on over on the discord um, specifically with a good group of guys and gals and we really encourage everyone to join our discussions there so as mentioned ryan let's get into our possible replacement left back fabrizio romano as we know the absolute tip-top gold standard here we go in world, in world football he says vitally Mikalinko will complete his medical as new Everton player today. This was on a couple days ago. And then he'll sign his contract in order to announce the deal as soon as possible. Here we go. And then he said more. Lucas Dean could really leave Everton in January if a good proposal arrives. So Ryan, coming from Fabrizio Romano himself, how do you feel about that? That's a bomb for sure. You know, I, I, uh, look, the theory behind it does make sense, but taking a step back, I mean, that that's a, that's a pretty big deal. This is a guy that's filled in nicely for Leighton Baines. And it's almost like we hadn't lost a beat. He's been one of our key players. Now um, he's 28. He's still in the prime of his career, at least on the tail end of the prime of, of an elite player usually goes a little bit longer. Um, it's one thing to have an issue, you know, and eventually resolve it. It's another thing to get to the point that quickly. I know a lot of people said he was upset, you know, weeks ago and I get it. To get to the point where we're looking at replacing him in the January window, I did not think things would, you know, degrade that quickly. That being said, I didn't think Marcel Brands would be out by now. Also, so curious your take, Alex. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Heart and mind both say we should not get rid of Lucas Teen. I know. Ouch. I think you know. You know I, th- I think we're kind of, but we're at the point where it seems there's no return. Um, obviously, there are huge issues, and you know. Another point, too, is we're coming up on World Cup 2022, and he's got a lot of competition at left back, as we saw at the previous World Cup that he was left out on, the World Cup winning squad he was left out on. Um, I think that's probably a a big motivator in his eyes, but not to get derailed. I think um, at face value, Mikalinko could be um, pretty exciting in general. I think the fee of 21, maybe 23 million, something around that, 
is very, very quite high. And that's where I have cause for concern. You know, I think another big part of the discussion going around social media and in general is, you know, financial fair play. We're selling Lucas Dean, which, by the way, I believe we bought for what, 18 mil? Yeah, 18 million pounds, I believe. Okay, so you know, just as a, as a benchmark, right? I mean, it's basically the same fee. I mean, around it looks like, yeah. but, but the theory's not crazy, right? I mean, you got Dean at 28, he, he'll be 29 this year. You know, it, it's, it's not, it's not a terrible idea, but it hurts a little bit. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, the, the theory is everyone on paper is going to say that's, that's great business, right? You guy, you, you buy a guy that's coming into his, his physical prime and you sell him maybe as he's, kind of dipping a little bit or, or will in the future. And you replace them with someone younger with a high ceiling, high potential. Um, ideally though, right. As you, as you mentioned, we would want to get a big fee for him. And I think there are big question marks as to how big of a fee we can get for him. Although, you know, it, the world knows, as we mentioned before, the world knows Lucas Dean wants out. That has a big effect. Um, but I think the hugest, the biggest question mark past all the financial, financial fair play, the fees involved. The real question is what can we do with the money we get back? And yeah. if we can derive value from that. Yeah, and that's tricky. January is normally not the best time to do that. Obviously, this is a very good player. I, I can't help but think we probably hurt his value a little bit because people know he's going to leave. Maybe that draws up market. I, I I don't know. Maybe that draws up competition. I doubt it. I mean, how many big clubs go into the January window needing a left back uh, as anything other than, than a loan? Um, I got serious concerns about doing this without a proper director of football, especially the replacement. You know, to me... Especially if you're going to buy someone, if Rafael Benitez is the guy, he's going to buy a player who he likes. And we'll get to what we think he would want in a fullback. Um, so I don't like the replacement of this because he could very easily pick a player. And Mikalinko might be that player who's able to play very well in his system, but maybe not as transferable into a more modern system that I think would be more befitting of us. And and what a vision that a, that a proper director of football would come in and have. But yeah, I mean, I think it begs the question, who the heck's doing the negotiations here? Um, who's, who was scouting? The rumor was that th this guy was high in brands list. Um, but Marcel was pretty shrewd in negotiation. Yeah. I mean, the question is though, I mean, are we really only moving Dean right now? Because I, I would think the summer would be better because of Rafael Benitez. And isn't it a little bit backwards to say that Benitez is definitely partially at blame here, if not primarily at blame. Why would you then give that guy more authority by selling a player just because, and when he kind of started it with him, frankly, that's debatable. I know we did a whole segment on it. Um, and then giving him the authority to replace him. I mean, that seems a little ridiculous. I mean, isn't part of the manager's job to get the best out of the current players you inherited. You're not much of a manager if you need to buy an entire new side and we got enough needs too. You know what I mean? So I, I, it seems a little backwards to me. I don't know if you feel that way or not. Yeah. I mean, I think to be honest, maybe, maybe part of that is, you know, can he rest on his laurels of the summer transfer window? And I'm saying that mm. with a straight face. It sounded like I was laughing. I was maybe a little laughing. <laughs> you are laughing. We're not on video, but I can <laughs> see you. <laughs> Overarching point is right. Okay. 2 million. He brought in some good, good squad players for the fees involved so far. Um, but you know, it's also a chicken and the egg, right? Like brands is gone and you need players now because let's be frank, our form is absolutely awful. Well, yeah, but we don't need a left back now. We only need a left back because of this silliness. Don't we? That's, that's very true. Very fair. 
But at the same time, though, it's happened. It's happened. So do you, do you let Dean walk? Do you do you sit him and then Rafa doesn't use him and then his value is completely tanked and you have no one? Well, and then I we think just keep having Ben Godfrey at left back because apparently he's so good at attacking. I don't know if you've heard. No, no, I just uh, I just hire a new director of football and get, get a new manager. But <laughs> no. All right. Yes. Fair point. It has happened. We have to accept that. And most likely something else is going to happen. And, and it looks like we're buying Nikolenko. So we need to get over that, I suppose, at this point, uh, even if it's kind of strange and disturbing. So let's take a step back to and talk a little bit about what we think Rafael Benitez would want in a fullback. I mean, we took a long look at this in our player assessment, our team assessment. Uh, we looked at some of the guys he bought in the past and who he used. So let's go through that in a little more abridged version this time. Uh, we think he he seems to like guys that are tough, strong, combative in the defensive third for sure. But, you know, he used the short blanket um, comparison in the past, and he definitely likes balance. So often he'd have kind of, you know, someone more attacking and someone more more defending. But But in general, I mean, someone that can get up the field quickly and help support the attack if needed. Um, you know, and, and, and look, he likes athleticism. It seems like the guys he's employed have been big fast, but I, I think, what did we say here? We say fast, strong, combative, determined, works hard, has stamina. I think that's important. And that Spirit. are, sp- you had to, right? Uh, it's certainly reliable. Yeah. I mean, I think those are the thing, you know, fast, strong, combative, determined, um, works reliable, I, you know, it's worth noting too. I mean, in the past, I would have thought this year going into the season, you, Dean would be more of your attacking fullback, but it's really kind of been, been the opposite. Hasn't it? It has. It has. We've, we have unfortunately stared at um, our starting 11 positions on a who scored plot for every episode, for every match. <laughs> it's weird. And I am, and I am unhappily reporting that Seamus Coleman has had a higher field position on pretty much every match. Yeah. Than Lucas Dean has, um, with, with Townsend pretty much pinched there. And I guess, you know, it, it does that make a whole lot of sense, especially with, you know, with gray primarily cutting inside to the left. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in a possession based offense, it certainly doesn't, but look, we beat that one in a last episode, how difficult his, his role is. So, so let's talk about who he's used in the past. I think the, the someone, everyone's going to think of Rese, I think at, at Liverpool, he's probably the one guy. And I would say if he's probably your prototypical guy out there, but again, Rafa's not been at so many places for so long that he's had the opportunity to, to buy someone and bring them in, you know, because I think that's probably the best example and idea of how you get a feel for who he would bring in. Uh, but a, a, as one example, I mean, he was big, big size, direct, constantly running up the field, bomb for a shot, lots of crosses. He was dangerous and it made sense because Finnan was usually on the right, who was very steady, at least when Risa came in. Um I look at Napoli he was there for two years. He had an older player and Maggio was there. Uh, Carboni was already 36 when Benitez joined Valencia. But if you ever watched Valencia, he was like one of the most energetic guys on the pitch, rushing out, flying tackles all over the place. It may explain a little bit of how he's seemingly willing or not too concerned, maybe about putting Coleman in so many high leverage situations. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I mean, you know, we know that, or, or so it's been rumored that Rafa Benitez turned down multiple right bag targets in the summer that were lined up, um, you know, which pretty much indicated that he obviously felt to a great degree that Coleman was still good to fit in on the right hand side, especially with what he wanted to do um, based on how he's playing. I mean, I'm not really sure. I think I think Coleman has lost a step or three <laughs> in the last even, you know, year. Right. Especially since 
since his accident um, or just being used too much. I mean, the guy's got to be exhausted, but, um, but look, I, I think it is worth, worth though, looking to see of our current players. Um, how many of these guys make sense, you know, knowing what we just learned just now, maybe a couple, right? I mean, Lucas Dean, right? Like easily, it's easily said like Lucas Dean, um, fits into most schemes, right? I mean, he's, he's good defending, which is backed up by statistics. Wait, wait, no, no. People said he's, uh, yeah. but if you listen to the first pod, <laughs> yeah, no, I, we tried to dispel that. I mean, I, I think he's very, I think he's quite good defensively, especially knowing he can do both, but yes, agreed. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously fantastic going forward. Um, he's really good on set pieces. Not that any new fans of, of this season specifically would know. Um, ouch. You know, I mean, he, you're, he's bringing heat, up, you're bringing the heat on the pod today. I can tell. It's true. I ha- someone has to. I mean, I mean, <laughs> it, listen, I, Lucas Dean, I, you can't argue he couldn't. But but then, you know, my question for you is, Ryan, right? So, I mean, I don't, we're not going to throw we're not going to throw John Joe Kenny's name into the mix. Um, I think. No, it's safe to say. no, he's not going to play well, left back. That's for sure. But what do you think about Niels in Kunku, though? I mean, is this someone should we not have sent him out on loan? What are your thoughts on that, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think I think alone was. Alone was the right decision at the time. People freaked out about the loan when Thierry Small left, right? Especially at that point, you know, Lucas Dean had had an injury and that sort of thing. Um, so I, I think the loan was the right move. But in Cuckoo, I mean, I think. I mean, he fits some of it. Look, he fit, he's really fast. He's, he's strong. Fast, yeah. He's extremely combative. He's just reckless, though. He's very determined. He, he works very hard, but he's not reliable. And I, th- I think that's what it comes down to. I mean. I actually think eventually he could really be the attacking fullback in a Benitez type setup. You know, he's not not the most technically astute, um, but if he never really develops a sense of defensive awareness and he is kind of gets lost out there and I've watched him a little bit um, in Belgium. He's every bit is he looks like he's he's like in the turbo button the whole time when he's playing. He's so fast back and forth. But yeah, I think that I think the lack of polish defensively, I probably pushed him out on loan. Although when we get into Mikolinko here in a second, I think he's kind of a different type of player. So you could eventually see him maybe be being utilized in the same side, assuming his loan continues. At least that's kind of that's my what do you think? Think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely fair. Yeah. So. All right. Let's get into Mikolinko then. Uh, for a moment, if this appears to be the guy, if all we need, I mean, Fab gave the, here we go. So you got to rely on him that he's got it. So let's think about it again. Fast, strong, combative, determined, work rate, reliable. Uh, so Alex, what have you seen when you've watched Mikolinko? Cause I know you've definitely watched him a bit uh, as have I. Yeah. I mean, so, so he seems like a pretty exciting, um, fullback. He definitely likes a tackle, especially a slide tackle. I will say that, um, he looks pretty quick. He's not the fastest player, but he's definitely not average paced. I'll say that. And he likes to get forward without a doubt. Um, I will say, though, one thing that I noticed and one slight negative I noticed on on a lot of the clips was, you know, he's got a pretty big touch on him. Um, not not fantastic, not overly fantastic at dribbling and, and ball control. And, and I think that could be, you know, definitely a pain point for him in the Premier League. What about you, Ryan? I think that's a very good observation. I, I noticed that as well, too. I mean, look, he, he's got good size for fullback. You know, he's probably about 5'11". That's, I, I think that's probably right. He's long. He's pretty lean. I, I, I mean, he'll probably fill out. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I so that's a good thing to me. That means yeah, he's, he's more... Right? right, he's 22. That's more projectable. Um, I think it's very funny the way he kind of runs and moves around. Like, mm-hmm. what did you call him? You said it was like, it's kind of like Raheem Sterling, like where his yeah. arms go out. <laughs> But but he's like, you know, he just needs to be fed a little bit more. I think um, he almost looks like some sort of specter because he's kind of pasty. Uh, so 
but I mean, come on, he's a Ukrainian guy. So, um, yeah, so, but it is very distinctive. I, I don't see him as explosive. You know, I agree. I don't think he's a bad athlete. I think he can accelerate a little bit. His, his top speed pace, I think is probably better than his acceleration. I, I'm hopeful that because I think he's kind of measured, like he does get forward, but he really picks and chooses his spots. Um, I, I don't think he's very aggressive though. Meaning as if he, if, if he gets into a duel, he wins a lot of them, but he doesn't engage in that many of them. He tends to defer to other players. He definitely wants the ball, but I, I think probably the best part about him is I think he's very smart. I think he's reserved. He picks his chances. He doesn't get rid of the ball too often. He doesn't lose it. He doesn't seem to every kind of force the play. And I, I think that's a very good thing. It may go back into kind of his roots as a player. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds like based on, you know, based on you talking about how measured he is with the ball, picking his moments going forward, where he goes, when he goes, it almost sounds like you're saying he could really well fit into a Rafa Benitez system, Ryan. Yeah, I think he could. I mean, I think he could be the more defensive fullback for sure. And it's not that he's incompetent going forward. I think he's he can serve a ball. I'll get to the exchange Penny and I had, um, but I don't think he's going to carry it very well either. You know, Alex, I noticed the exact same thing when he carries the ball. His first touch is OK, but it can get a little loose when he dribbles with the ball. Every touch, he's got to slow down on it, you know, and, and it's very funny because when you watch them. Tiskankoff's on the other side. It's one of my favorite younger players. I mean, he goes dead sprint, never stops. His his just touches so good, you know, tactically. So it's kind of funny to watch. And obviously, he's an attacking player. But yeah, I could see him being the more defensive guy. Um, and, and I think when he goes after people one v one, I mean, he looks good. You know, he's got good posture. I think he makes good decisions. He's still probably a little too reliant on his athleticism, which is higher than most of the guys in his domestic league. But look, it doesn't hurt the fact that he played against in the Champions League against Barca, Benfica, um, Bayern, which was a little bit of a rude awaiting for awaken for him. But look, yeah, he is measured. Um, He takes care of the ball. I think he'd be good in possession based offense, too. But he's still more of a defensive player. Um, I love the weight on his passes sometimes, too. And I think he's a very intelligent player. So I think the things that you can't teach that I think are the hardest teach decision making, taking care of the ball, being responsible, being smart. I think he's good at, and I think that's important because if he doesn't have those, forget about it. Um, let's talk about crossing and his attacking because Penny and I, I think had a pretty good exchange on discord. I, I was a little concerned that the athletic had a, had a writer in that talked about his overlapping and crossing the ball. And I'm like, I'm not seeing that. So, um, so my, my point was, I think he's smart, picks the spots. I like his vision. You could see he gets his head up and he finds the right guy. His delivery is not perfect even if it is some varied and he's not super aggressive about going forward but i don't know if you want to hit kind of what penny said here but i I like what he said i think he's pretty accurate i think penny's got it right yeah so the penny blue otherwise known as ethan zander the x-man you frequent our uh if you frequent our discord uh invite.gg slash atp if you want to join he said i think he's a good crosser but he's conservative with the ball he won't try to make the spectacular happen like we'd get from Lucas Dean, but he can carry the ball forward and has the ability to pick out a midfielder on the ground or forward with a cross, which is definitely relevant. Um, and then he goes on to say his more conservative nature is where I draw the Coleman conclusions. Yeah. And I mean, Coleman's obviously a great dribbler with the ball. They're different in that way, but yeah, he's right. I mean, Seamus is not going to fire the ball and force it into an area out of expediency. So I agree with them there too. And look, you can improve technique. So if you've got the vision, the decision-making, maybe, Maybe that's okay. And I like him on defense too. He scans, he's communicative, but I, first of all, I don't think he's can play center half, even in a three in the premier league very easily. He's not great in the air. I, I, in fact, it surprises me 
he has decent leap when no one's around him, but he's not physical enough. He would just get knocked over. Um, it's just not, he's inconsistent. He'll duck out of aerials. So I'm not, I don't know. So, so my, my concerns immediately on him is kind of like the athleticism aspect of it. If you don't have elite athleticism, you really got to be good in other areas. And I'm hopeful that maybe he's a little more athletic than, than it appears. I saw him one time backtrack in the Bayern match where he really made up some grounds. And I, I got a little excited because otherwise he's so measured. He never really puns the air back and really takes off. So it's hard for that to tell. So I'll leave that to be judged. But I think we have some concerns about cultural fit transition from the league. Don't we? I think those are real concerns. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we're talking about Ukrainian players in the premier league, I think it's safe to say there have not been that many. No. And even, you know, even from the list, how many are notable and that's, that's much smaller, right? I mean, we've got well, Andrei Shevchenko. Right. I mean, uh, well, look at guys that went straight though to the league. It almost never happened. You know what I mean? Um, True. But yeah, but yeah, you're right. You got Shev. I mean, recently who you got Zinchenko basically, but he came from Russia. You know, I mean, there's really no one, Alex, on this list. We've got what Shevchenko, and he came from Milan, who was, he was a monster there. Yarmolenko came from Dortmund. Do we have anyone really on this list that went directly from the Primera Liga? could have come to Everton from the league. I don't know if you heard. So good. That was so good. I'm so happy you brought that up. I had to drop it in, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there aren't many guys that made that direct um, the direct move. Um, there are some players in general that weren't necessarily Ukrainian that did come from the premier league into the premier league. There are a couple here, right? And, and some of these guys have done. Okay. The top name on the list would be uh Fred at United, right? He, eh, you know, not, eh. uh, not quite lived up to expectations. I but. like him. I think he's underrated, but yeah, I think people would probably say he's a slight disappointment for a big fee, right? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I think I think a lot of United supporters would argue he's used in the wrong role, but fair. Um, you know, nonetheless, uh, we've also had Fernandinho from Shakhtar done um, well. Our very own Bernard, who just left, who I I thought was a, a good player for us. I mean, he's a free. I mean, you know, it's not like he wasn't a forty, you know, million dollar pound player. And Fernandinho, let's be honest. I mean, he was debatably the best defensive mid in the entire league, maybe the best player in the league uh, and a couple other guys scattered in here. Neri Castillo, former Mexican player. That's pretty funny. I had no idea he was there on loan to man city, but yeah, I mean, that's about it. I mean, there's not a, not a deep history here. Um, however, let, let's go back and look at some of the other guys that have eventually had some success and gone from premier Liga into other leagues and done. Okay. And Yarmolenko is the top one there. He was great at Dortmund. And I think it's hard to argue that Shevchenko was an absolutely phenomenal, um, I feel like he was with Ancelotti in Milan. So, I mean, th those are big names. Rebroff's really the only guy in history that came directly into the Premier League, and he's kind of a unique player. Um, but really, there aren't too many there. So, look, I, I think there aren't that many successes here. So this is a concern, don't you think? It is, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the MLS. And I have to bring up the MLS. Oh, here we go. I have to bring up the MLS because... <laughs> it is I the American Toffee Podcast. This is the American Toffee podcast. You know, go Sounders. Overarching point is, right, if you're talking about coming from a league to the Premier League, and, and obviously we're talking about the Premier League, okay? So we're talking about the toughest league in the world with the highest standards, okay? Most fast-paced. Pretty fair to say. Maybe. But I'd also like to say you aren't seeing people come out of MLS year over year up until essentially now. You're seeing constant <laughs> talent flow from MLS, from the academies. Overseas, there are a lot of Americans... In Italy specifically, we're seeing some in France across. I mean, the, the Bundesliga has loved, 
loved us for a while, right? Yeah, but I, I mean, it can happen. It can the, the switch can flip. Yeah, but the cultural differences are pretty significant, don't you think? I mean, do we even know yeah, that Nikolenko speaks the language? But yeah. but look, I'll tell you what though, he is coming over younger, and there's a pod out there um, that talked about this in detail. We will probably retweet it later, and I'm going to go listen to it. My bigger concern is that's fine. That sounds okay, and I'm happy that he's played in the Champions League this year against you know Barca, Bayern, and Benfica. So I mean, that makes me feel a little bit better. But the fee is 18 million pounds, man. I mean, that's a big fee. So I get that if you're taking a flyer on a kid that's talented for five, six million pounds. This is 18 million pounds. I know he's 22, but I don't see a dynamic attacking player here necessarily. So what is the ceiling in terms of a future fee or the equivalent of future performance for a somewhat conservative, albeit very sound, solid left back? I mean, I just I don't. This is a big number to me. I mean, so look, we looked at some of the other players out there. I mean, Alex, this is the biggest fee for a left back this year. This is a COVID year too, man. People did not spend money. I mean, don't you think that? I mean, look at some of the comps here. I, that's a big number, I think. No, yeah, it is a huge number. I mean, so as you said, it would be the highest this year. And Mark Kukurea, who went uh, to Brighton recently this season, 16.2 million pounds. He's been great. Player, More of a wing back. back. More of a wing back. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. But he's a good player. Um, Junior Firpo, a uh, big name over at Leeds recently, also came this season from Barcelona, 13.5. Um, Matthias Vina went to AS Roma, actually, though, from the Brazilian league at Palmeiras for 11.7. Yeah, so let's talk about him. I think he's a good comp because he was a little bit more defensive. Uh, he's certainly more skilled, more technically apt. Shocker, Brazilian would be. Actually, pardon me, Uruguayan would be. Um, but yeah, I, I watched him a couple years ago um, and and really liked him. You know, so that's 11.7 million pounds. That's a lot cheaper to me. He's a little older. I mean, he's 23, I think, when he went. But that's kind of, he's more of a defensive. That's who I would think of. I actually think he maybe even have higher, a higher upside. I just don't, I don't think that's any more of a risk, uh, especially the way the points work and, and, you know, kind of the post-Brexit um, work permit scheme. I, 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 so that, to me, is the comp. So, I mean, that's almost not quite twice the fee, but... A lot more of it. I just think it limits, in essence, your your ceiling um, that you could either recoup money from or recruit performance from. And then obviously you've got a couple of the other guys that were bought kind of for the Premier League. Pernaud, who, who's done OK at Southampton and out Nori, who I think is a really interesting dynamic player at Wolves. But it does those seem out. So a lot of these fees, the bigger ones, there's more value maybe in the guy that's a little more dynamic and more of an attacking player. I think that's safe. Wasn't that a concern then that we're paying that much for a guy that's maybe not. I mean, he could develop, I guess, though. He could develop into one, maybe. You're you're not having a left back or a center back or a right back, for that matter, set the world record fee for any player, any time in our lifetimes, I don't think. Probably not. For that reason, you can already tell what's more important to the viewer and to the clubs and to the media. But nonetheless, Ryan, you know, so so we're talking about fees, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Financial fair play. Yep. Very much comes into question when we're talking about fees. True. No doubt. No doubt. I think I can say this confidently. Everton's strategy is going to be to pay this fee over X amount of years for accounting purposes as to not incur. Yeah, well, you have to. I mean, that's just how it works. Yeah. I mean, it'll be a five-year contract. Is it fair to say, is it fair to say that that could leverage in their favor a higher fee because they are getting it over a longer period of time? 
possibly. Well, maybe, but I mean, that's just the cash implications. You're going to spread out the payments. It doesn't matter. Whether you pay the cash now or later, it doesn't matter. If it's $18 million at the end of the day, his book value is $18 million, his registration is $18 million. Divided by five, and that's your financial fair play hit on the transfer fee. So that doesn't matter in terms of structure, but 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 you're right. That may help, you know, I mean, if he wants to pay for Bramley Moore Dock, maybe the 18 is higher because there's more cash on the back end, which is okay because there's still a cash flow issue as well. So that that's that's reasonable. And that you're right, Alex. That could absolutely be the reason why the fee might have been higher. Maybe Cucurella's was his release clause. I don't think it was, but you know, every Spanish player has to have a release clause, and thus you had to pay it all up front. So that's it. I mean, truly. I mean, you know, it's a little bit funny math when we start talking talking about fees and structures. Um, but still, still, I still maintain that it's a bit of a big number for a guy that, you know, I'm not seeing necessarily this attacking upside, but I do like the player. Just think the fee's a little bit higher when we look at some of these comps. Just my take, you know. Anyway, um, so look, let's take a little bit of pause right now. Um, I think we've kind of exhausted this one, but let's summarize it real quick. So what do you think, Alex? What's your opinion? Before we move on to some other news, because it would be really dumb if we did this and didn't try and solve some other problems with with the side. So what do we think? Good yeah. move, bad move. Do we like Mikalinko? Closing thoughts. I would say I like Mikalinko. I don't like the fee. And I feel uneasy about the thought that he could be our starting left back moving forward. However, it's always exciting to get a new younger player in the mix. He looks like he has a lot of promise across the board. And I think that he has plenty of upside in general. My concern is fees too high. And is he just a better fit for Rafa? And the second Rafa leaves, he's not as good a fit and not as comfortable um, in a more maybe attacking role. Um, and more importantly, I think there are definitely going to be cultural challenges for this guy. And I think the fee's too big to justify the the risk behind it. So don't mind the player, though. I think he's good, but I don't know if he'll ever be great. I hope he is, though. You know, just my initial take. I probably have to watch him a little bit more. We'll see how he adapts. Anyway, all right, so we need to take a little bit of a break to hear from our lovely sponsors. Thank you, Blue Wire. Uh, and then we'll come back to you and we'll hit some of the other transfer news and some of the rumors we see down the pipe, specifically in the right back position. All right, so let's talk about right backs because there have been rumors resurfacing, resurfacing, and I know we talked about it or I mentioned it at the top of the pod. You know, we had a couple of right backs locked down allegedly over the summer that Rafa turned down. However, one of those names has come back to the fold in recent days. Um, but first, yeah. I think ideally we'll run through this just like we did with left backs in the same kind of format. So first things first, we'll talk about, you know, what do we want or what would Rafa want to see in a right back? And it's pretty much the same as left back, right? You want fast, strong, combative, determined, tons of spirit, right? The work rate and Gotta the liability have to have top spirit. it off. You know what I mean? The spirit is the sprinkles, Ryan. We don't need it, but we want it. Are you suggesting we need a right back? Is that is that true? Do you think so? Yeah, it's amazing, right? Um, 2018, Alex would say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's been too long. And I, I think it's pretty disappointing that Benitez didn't opt for any of the guys. Um, but let's talk about two names in particular. But first, you're right. Let's talk about who he's bought in the past, first of all. And we did this in the team assessment as well. You know, we talked about Danilo at Real Madrid. I mean levels here right uh glenn johnson uh, he bought at liverpool yedlin deandre yedlin there's your sounders brethren right there at newcastle uh mankio who's also at newcastle there i feel like he bought mankio somewhere else too and uh arbiola arbiola at uh, liverpool kind of tanked so who's he used in the past kuro torres 
Loved Cura Torres. Solid right back for Valencia. He could really serve a ball. He wasn't a super athlete, but he could really defend and close down on players. And I think that's that's what you're going to see consistently. Steve Finnan at Liverpool, same type of thing. And he kept trying to replace him with guys like Hosami and Kromkamp. And he was just too dependable. You know, balanced. He was hardworking. He was big physical. And, and you know, eventually tried to bring in um, Arbeloa and, and Johnson eventually replaced him. But but I think that's why it matters. Danilo, I think, is a bad example. I mean, he was way more dynamic than that. Most of these guys have size, though. You know, Johnson had good size, man. Keo wasn't small. Yedlin's short, but he's tough, super combative. They all get up and down the field or have the ability to do it because they work hard. Um, some were more athletic than others. So let's go back to that same theme, Alex. And do any of our current players kind of make sense? We already talked about how Seamus Coleman, the age isn't going to be as much of a prohibitor for uh, for Rafael Benitez um, as maybe for some other guys. So what do we think about Seamus? Does he really fit? I mean, no, not necessarily. Yeah, I don't think so either. You know, I mean... He is very combative. We do like to see that. I, it was it was one match maybe like a couple months ago in which he was screaming at his teammate within the first 60 seconds. Does he have spirit? I'd say he does. That's how he got <laughs> the captain's armband, right? Um, which is probably another point as to why, you know, Benitez wanted to stick with him. But that's kind of, you know, neither here nor there. Um, but he does he does like to dwell on the ball quite a bit. Um, his dribbling is, you know. It's okay. it's really good, but it, that's not something that Benitez typically cares too much about, whether you can dribble right. and beat people. You know, he wants to get the ball up the field, vertical, long passes. Um, he's also weird, too, because he loves to cut into the half space. I mean, when he was first coming up, he would cut in there and hit a couple bangers every year. And that's more of a winger type role in a Benitez system. You know, I think so. No, I don't I don't think I don't think he's a very good fit at all. Besides, of course, the aforementioned spirit. What about Mason Holgate? I'm kind of mad we had to even include him on this list as a right back. Um, so if that kind of tells you off the top, All right. no, I mean he's not—he's not quick. His dribbling is very lackluster, right? His passing is trash, and I don't even know if I've seen him attempt to cross, but I don't think I want to. No, he's not reliable either. I think that's—that's that's the thing. There's—you just don't feel like you can trust him. He's too rash and reckless, and and other than. You know, Benita's trying to put a lawn in an, a, a more reliable position. I think for the most part, he's going to opt for the guy that's not. So two guys we've been linked with. You alluded to Nathan Patterson, but let's not him hit him first. Let's hit Fabian Sanzon. So look, I, I, I can't speak French. It's embarrassing. For full full disclosure, my mother was a French teacher, and I don't speak a word of French. Nice. I speak, I speak Spanish, right? That's so stupid. Uh, Sanzon, I think, would probably be... The closest I'm going to get as the English speaker uh, definitely sounds much better in France, by France, by the way, like French, when you see him score and they get excited, it's just awesome. Like sans um, rumor is 8 million pounds. Uh, Alex, what are your impressions? I, I like him. I, I think you do too. He does turn 26 in, I think in January, which is a little bit older than probably you'd like to target, but he's got some good attributes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, Right off the bat from highlight videos, you can see he's he's pretty tidy with the ball. He can put in a tackle, all sorts of tackles too, which is um, which is definitely good to see. He looks like he can serve across, that's for sure. Um, and I like that he's got he's got a pretty good amount of pace too. I'd say definitely above average in terms of pace. He's not you know he's not he's not Tariq Lamptey, but right. he's definitely fast. And I think that you know I'm gonna be honest, Sanson is the one that I'd be most excited about based on based on those nifty YouTube highlight videos alone. He is a good looking player. Uh, I've liked him now for a couple of years. 
Uh, I thought he was going to be gone last summer. He's deceptive. I mean, even, even you said yourself off the pod, he's like, is he that big? Like, cause he's listed at six feet. I even saw someone else list him at six two. I'm like, there's no way six two, but he's quite good in the air and he's defensively sound, but then you see him and he's capable of these moments where he seems very athletic and, and fluid with the ball. Um, he works a ton. Like he's running all over the place. He has tremendous energy, probably gets maybe even a little too aggressive sometimes on defense. The numbers don't indicate that the numbers indicate he's very sound. I think he has some attacking upside in the right setup. So Let's talk about Mets, the team he's playing with. I mean, they are not good. I mean, these number, the team numbers around it are not impressive, are they, Alex? No, not at all. I mean, Mets are sitting 18th in the league, uh, 19th in possession, right? 41.7% sounds oh. like our beloved Everton. Doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Although I think Everton might be 20th. Don't quote me on that, though. Um, and their expected goal differential is negative 11.7, which is 19th in the league also. So... It is fair to say that Mets is very much um, in the same type cast as Everton. And just from those numbers, we could derive basically same sort of functionality. Yeah, and it affects his creation. So look, he leads the team in tackles plus interceptions, you know, and you can see him use his length to win tackles around players. And and like you said, his foot speed's good for his height. He's going to struggle probably in space against elite guys, but who the heck doesn't? I think he's a good defender, and I think that aspect of it, he fits fits what Rafa wants to do. Look, his creation numbers aren't great, but I, I see him too. His crossing accuracy is just downright bad. It's like 25.78% in the past calendar year. So that's about under 26%. But I think the reason why is he gets a ton of crosses in the box. He's averaging um, almost two every three games, but they're coming from deeper, you know? Now he's been playing as a wing back in a 5-4-1 and, or a 3-4-1-2 recently. But still over the season, he's averaging just barely above one touch per 90 in the penalty area and, and not even 16 touches per 90 in the attacking third. I mean, that's almost never getting the ball in dangerous areas. One thing he does love to do is dribble, though, which that's a little bit of a head scratcher for Rafael Benitez team, don't you think? Yeah, it is. But I mean, he leads the team with 50 attempts at a 62% rate, which is, I mean, definitely good, especially leading the team, right? Yeah, and I look, last time I watched him against Lorient, uh, their last match, where they actually won, minor miracle there, uh, he forced kind of the second goal on an own goal, but he got way forward on that play from the back. I mean, he just, he does look, on the eye test, look more dynamic than his numbers would indicate, and I think we talked in the previous episode about context and how the data is never the full answer. No analyst would ever say this. So I think it's fair to say that there's context around it. Mets is not a good attacking team, doesn't have the ball much. So I think maybe there is some more attacking upside. We don't like the age. We like some of the athleticism and some of the skill. I think he's a decent fit for Rafael Benitez. So 8 million too much. I mean, this is kind of a value deal, don't we think? Yeah. I mean, it's a value deal. And and let me say this though, 26 years old, the age is not terrible you could get a solid handful of years out of him and still have upside right to be fair he could potentially let's say lock down the the starting right back role for four years and he could you know you don't you don't necessarily need a return for that if you can get someone locked in for that long at a good you know at a good level but nonetheless it's a value deal i think i think he could be potentially a really good addition to the squad um i think that there is something to be said about experience and mixing some experience um, you know, with youthfulness as well, especially in the current in the current climate with how apparently mentally unstable we are as a team when we 
you know, when we go down or, or et cetera. So um, either way, I'm very excited about Sanson. And I think that it could be an interesting pickup if it comes to fruition. I agree. I like the player a lot too. Again, it's just the price, you know, you're not going to get a huge future return off this guy. You don't think, but get a good value pick on him. I don't know what's, what's proper. You got to figure Mets and most of league Un have been under terrible financial circumstances. If you can get this guy for under 10 million pounds, I wouldn't hate it. If you can get down to four or 5 mil, he's probably gonna have some competition. I think that's an absolute steal. I like this player a lot. So, all right, let's move on to the next candidate, Alex, Nathan Patterson. Uh, playing at Rangers, kind of, if you remember, Steven Gerrard laughed at the notion of our bid of 5 million pounds in the summer, but look, he's not playing. They have one of the best right backs, even though he's aging in, in Scotland. Um, this is kind of an interesting link. Don't you believe so? Yeah, I think, I think it is important to note though, as I've, as I've picked up on, on Reddit in Reddit's infinite wisdom that James Tavernier or Tavernier he is their captain and also I think I believe their highest earner. So, you know, if there's any position that he may not get game time and it seems according to um, their fans, it would be right back. He's probably not going anywhere then. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, but it, but in terms of physicality, right, he's big. He's like six, one, six, two. He loves to get forward for sure. I would say um, he's definitely above average in pace, kind of like the other players that we've um, talked about today. A lot of he loves to do a one touch pass and and kind of overlap in that regard into the, into the middle of the pitch. Um, he's definitely fast for his size and his height. Um, and he can definitely serve a ball with his, with, with his right foot. And his left too. I mean, he's played some left back this year as well. Obviously you've got right back locked up. Um, he just hasn't played that much. He's very young, just turned 20 in October. Yeah. I mean, he, he loves to carry the ball. Uh, too. He'll hit it forwards and just start taking off with it. He knows he's got top end speed. His acceleration is pretty good for his height. Um, some concerns, I think, I think his service is really good too, Alex. I totally agree with you there. Um, one V one defense. I'm a little concerned about too. I, I don't know if he's just not, and he might not be fully fit because he hasn't played that much. I don't think he's that light on his feet. I mean, he's kind of light on his feet for his size, but I mean, he looks big, like, six two, like even a little beefy. I don't know if he's just a little heavy, maybe because he's fit, but I mean, Toko Akambi absolutely turned him inside and out once in the one match I was watching. Um, and you know, look, he's played against some good competition that, so that's helpful, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I can't argue that the numbers aren't good. I mean, he's won over 62% of his defensive duels over the past calendar year. He's decent in the air. He's actually not that great though. He should be absolutely dominant with his size. But yeah, I, I don't know how polished he is as a defender. And look, he loves getting forward. I mean, I mean, when you watch him, don't you feel like he just wants to at any moment go forward? That doesn't sound very Benitez-esque, don't you think? Yeah, no, no, absolutely true. Um, now, we did mention it earlier, though, right? Seamus Coleman's been the one that's sat a little higher and gotten at least of the two fullbacks true. more involved. So, you know, that that could definitely play a factor as to you know, who he's looking at for selection. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, maybe that's that's the game plan. Again, he's pretty young, though, and he's still a little bit raw, and obviously he doesn't have a ton of game time. So I think it'd be probably unrealistic to think he could just slot in. Um, and he probably won't be cheap, so I think that's a fair concern. And, and look, when I also watch him, when he's running with the ball, very much straight ahead, and he seems relying on the speed, like I said. My other concern is he, you know, he'll make occasional little fake here and a little dip and and move, but it's... It's very north-south, 
And while that makes sense for Rafael Benitez, I mean, I think that's the type of player he's looking at. I mean, this is a Premier League, man. Like, you've got to show a little bit of funk sometimes to beat someone. You know, you're not going to be able to just blow by these guys. And in the Champions League level, you could see he couldn't quite do it as well. And he loses it sometimes, too. I mean, he doesn't have maybe as tight a control as you would like. Um, I will say this. His crossing numbers are bad, like in terms of, um, I mean, he's even worse. You know, he's almost at about 25% completion in the last calendar year compared to Sanson. And plus his name is not as nice. Uh, but I do think he has some variety, can really serve it pretty well. I'm impressed that he can serve with his left foot as well as he could. He does get his head up. He, he can hit it low. He can hit it high. He can shape it. When he strikes, I mean, he can hammer across in pretty accurately. So I don't pay too much attention to, to that percentage. I think maybe it's a little bit small sample size. Um, but yeah, I'm a little concerned that maybe he doesn't have the dexterity or the agility. Um and as a young player, if you don't have that, that might be a limiting factor, even if it doesn't matter for Rafael Benitez. But look, I mean, the guy averages 3.3 progressive runs per 90. I mean, he loves to carry the ball forward. That's a pretty big number, um, especially for someone that's played a couple matches in the Champions League where they didn't have the ball the whole time. So to me, I actually like Calvin Ramsey better at Aberdeen, and he's younger and would be cheaper. So I, I just think, you know, you're getting into the, that sweet spot where, this kid has potential. He could be really good. I see a couple red flags, but they might just be due to fitness and some other things because he looked maybe a little more agile last year. Um, and he's very young. He's only 20. So you would think that would also indicate that the fee would be lower. I mean, if Rangers are going to laugh at $5 million, I mean, how much are you willing to pay for a guy? I mean, because once you start getting into those numbers, like you said, the right back's not normally the guy that's going to command an insane fee. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? thoughts here i mean a five million maybe i'd feel okay you start getting above that though i i'm not so sure there aren't some better bargains out there and i, I just kind of get a feeling that he might be a little overhyped i don't know what do you think yeah i mean i, I gotta be honest like the age is obviously a, a positive factor in, in his Definitely. profile itself right so we want we want younger players um big, I find and, it big and fast is good too right i mean like uh, yeah. you know and right. you can serve a ball I mean, so those sounds they also look good on high like those things sound okay yeah, I mean the physicality has to be like the first box you check, right? In in, in or the phys physical attributes, let's say. Um, but I will say though, you know, what doesn't make sense to me is if we're looking at a an actual right back successor, one for the pretty immediate future. Is this the type of the player with the same profile that we're looking for? We should be looking for. I'm not really sure. In terms of the fee, I think it's very high. A, a player that's not getting. Um, that much game time this season specifically, I, I don't, I don't see 8 million. I, I don't see 8 million. I think, yeah, I, I would, I would maybe even go as far as to say that that could be a mistake. I, I, I think so too. I think you've seen a lot of players come out of that league, like from Pong came out of Celtic for, you know, under 10 million and he's been pretty good. There've been a lot of right backs that have gone in the last year or two for under 10 million that have been way more advanced, I think, than this kid, maybe not quite his age, but still pretty young. Yeah, I think there are a couple red flags on this one, depending on the fee. Now, if it's really low the way you would think it would be, um, I think you're fine. You know, you can't ignore the fact that he's a, a Scottish international. He is. Um, there's not really as much of a cultural issue in the past. Lots of Scottish players have done well at, at Everton in particular. I mean, we are talking about Everton, not the Premier League in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to pay out the odds for this kid and take that much of a gamble in a position where, look, let's be honest, we want to buy younger players, but this is an immediate need. 
I mean, really. And when you look at a guy like Senzon, I just want to say that over and over again. You know what I mean? Um, I think that if there was a position where you may want to err a little bit on older, um, on the younger end, of course, I think you might look at right back to do it because I don't know how much Seamus Coleman has left. Yeah, no, absolutely. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on all of the exciting prospects. Mikalinko, Sanzon, and Patterson, all alike. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy variety from a naming convention, isn't it? That's great. I had I had to go for the songs on there uh, as well. But nonetheless, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you appreciated it as always. And as we've said, please leave a rating and review. And until next time, up the toffees. <laughs> <laughs>